In this episode, Ken Schumann and a group of faith walkers reflect on the topic of the Beatitudes, Part 1. Blessed are the poor in spirit. This conversation was originally recorded on June 24th of 2022. We want to remind you that Faith Walking's mission is to make wholeness possible for individuals, communities, and the world. Visit us at www.faithwalking.us. Join this conversation. topic of conversation today. I've, I've decided, I know I have shared with you uh, my piece on the Beatitudes that, uh, that I've done, my own paraphrase, and I don't remember, and it doesn't matter even if we have already gone through these. I don't, I don't remember us going through them one by one, and so, um, and even if we have, I'm going to do it again. Okay, so uh, what I'd like to do is just over the next few weeks, just one by one, go through the Beatitudes. I believe that the Beatitudes are are the guiding principles of followers of Jesus. I think Jesus ultimately said, this is how I want the fo- my followers to, to be and to look like. And so you know, in faith walking language, guiding principles are a big deal. And, uh, and so I want to take these guiding principles on for myself as a follower of Jesus. As uh, particularly this first one is really hard to understand. So it seems really simple. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I just want you to know, uh, I've heard that preached in my own life, kind of in a spiritualized way. Blessed are those that recognize their own spiritual poverty and come to Jesus. And that's okay. I'm, I'm not exactly sure that's what Jesus meant when he gave it. But, uh, but what I'd like to do is, uh, I'd like to share with you what the words mean, and then I'd like to share with you, uh, of course, my paraphrase, but also even with my fresh study, I'm going to add to the paraphrase <laughs> because uh, because I've got some fresh thoughts related to it. So let's start with the word blessed. Blessed are, uh, it comes from obviously a Greek word. Uh, that, that means happy or fully alive. And so in my paraphrase, I, I use three phrases to describe blessed, happy, satisfied, and fully alive are the poor in spirit. Uh, I think all three of those words encompass this idea of blessed. And so what would it look like to live a life where I'm, where I'm happy, I'm content, and I'm experiencing life to the full, no matter what the circumstances are? 
So I think sometimes we, we expect, okay, I'll be blessed when everything lines up and everything is good. But I don't believe that's what the scripture indicates. And so I, I wonder what it would look like to live this life where I'm happy, I'm satisfied, I'm fully alive, in spite of the complications, in spite of the challenges, in spite of the disappointment, in spite of the uh, the letdowns, in spite of illness, sickness, and struggle, I think that's the intent. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The word poor is an interesting Greek word that's hard to pronounce, that I'm just going to pronounce tacos. That make it easier for you? It's, it's spelled P-T-O-K-O-S, and you don't pronounce the P, so, it, so it's tacos. Uh, uh, and, uh, and, and here's, but here's what it means. Uh, the, it, so there are different words for poverty, uh, in Greek and in the new Testament. And this word is, so there's, there's another word that I, I won't give you, but the other word is for just not having a lot. So it's kind of descriptive of, of working class people that, you know, I work for a living and I don't have a lot, and so I could be considered poor. And, and it, in one way, we could say Jesus grew up the son of a carpenter, so they were never wealthy, they were never rich, they, and they were that first word for poor. But then Jesus didn't take up carpentry at 30. Uh, he took up his own ministry, and for the next three and a half years, Jesus was tacos. And the word tacos means so poor. And, and by the way, I'm mispronouncing the word. So just know I'm, I'm mispronouncing it. And I know I am. Uh, but but when, when you experience that, it means that you are utterly dependent upon others for your care. In, the, in Luke 16, we have the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And Lazarus was tacos. He, he was so poor, and he was sick, and he was and he was crippled, and he couldn't provide for himself. He was dependent upon the care of other people to get by in the world. And in a way, I, 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 it was interesting in my study. This connection was made. Uh, in a way, Jesus, when he began his earthly ministry, was the same way. Jesus was completely dependent upon the gifts of others in order to survive. And uh, we've talked about it before, and I know most of you know this, but it was the women that financed the ministry of Jesus. And he was totally dependent upon it. And, and so it's just fascinating because for me, and, and it seems in, in uh, especially Western culture uh, and particularly American culture, Here's what I know to be true in American culture. We, we look down upon those that are dependent upon others for their care. Oh, well, there's something wrong with them. Uh, or, uh, you know, and we, we, we give a little bit of grace if they're really, really sick. Oh, well, they're sick and they can't take care of themselves. But, but we kind of had, have contempt for people that are dependent upon others to get by. Well, then 
okay, that's poverty, that's poor, but, but, then, but then in Matthew, he adds the word poor in spirit. And by the way, Luke, when Luke gives us the Beatitudes, Luke doesn't add the word in spirit. He just says, blessed are the poor. Blessed are those that are utterly dependent. Uh, poor in spirit. Well, what, what does the word spirit mean? Well, spirit is from the, the typical word uh, for spirit in Greek, which is pneuma. That often gets translated. So in the King James Version, most of the time when pneuma got translated, it got translated as ghost. When we, when we use that old uh, King James Version phrase, the Holy Ghost, well, uh, that's, the, that's what the same word for the Holy Spirit. It's the word pneuma. And so it's fascinating because, because pneuma means breath or wind. The wind of the Spirit, the breath of the Spirit, often we talk about. So now let's put that together. Happy, satisfied, and fully alive are the utterly dependent in spirit, in wind, in breath. And that's why I say I have no clue what this means. <laughs> okay, does it mean those that are completely dependent upon God for their spiritual life? Those utterly and completely dependent upon God for the breath of life in them. I think we're coming close. Uh, I think it's this idea. So here, here's what I believe. I, I think part of this is blessed are those that are humble enough to realize that they can't do it without God. Blessed are those that realize, and, and by can't do it, I mean can't do anything. I, I mean, so, so what I believe in my theology is a missional theology, which means we partner with God. So there's a part that's God's responsibility, and there, there's part that's my responsibility, and I take responsibility for my responsibility. But even taking responsibility for my responsibility, I'm dependent upon God. And so for me, it, it means to have a spirit of gratitude that God is providing me with everything that I need. So I can talk today because of God. I can think and my mind works today because of God's provision. I can physically be here and be present because of God's provision. And so I'm utterly dependent. And to recognize that, to recognize that if, if my mind goes or, or my capacity to talk goes or my capacity to type on the computer leaves me, uh, I'm just, I'm utterly dependent upon God. And so my, my paraphrase, and I hope you hear some of that in all this, is this, happy, satisfied, and fully alive are the humble are the unpretentious, are those who don't think they are superior to others, those who don't have contempt for anyone, uh, though, those 
who aren't condescending and aren't full of themselves and realize their dependence upon God. For those people experience the God-designed heavenly life right now in the present. They live in the bright new world of the kingdom. I think at its heart, and by the way, I, I want to say, I think it's hard to understand. And I think there are multiple interpretations. And I think maybe that it was intended to be that way. Uh, because Jesus never once explains the kingdom to us. So just know that that's true. So to be poor in spirit is the opposite of being haughty. It's the opposite of being self-assertive or self-sufficient. And in a way, it's recognizing that we're all Lazaruses in life. And so we don't walk around with this condescending, pretentious, contemptuous attitudes that look down on other people because we all realize we can't do it without God. And one other thought I want to share with you related to this is, and, and this relates to faith walking, and, and I think one of the key things that makes people pretentious and haughty is the, them overcompensating for their own shame. So their shame voice is so loud and so strong that, oh, well, I'm going to put down these people because they're not as good as I. And when we, when we realize we're all dependent, when we realize we're all beggars, we have the humility then to, to experience life of the kingdom right now. We don't have to wait to heaven to get there, but it's in our humility. It's in our unpretentiousness. Uh, it's in our, our capacity to not think we're better than. It's, it's, it's in our ability to not have contempt for even those people that are utterly dependent upon society to take care of them. Those people experience the kingdom now and live in the bright new world and experience what heaven's like. Because in heaven, when the kingdom comes in all of its fullness, there'll be no contempt and there'll be no haughtiness and there'll be no self-sufficiency because we'll be in the presence of our maker and we will realize that the really happy life and the fully alive life is this life of recognizing that we're poor in spirit. So those are my best thoughts today. And I know they're kind of all over the map, but, uh, but I think that may be what Jesus is getting at. And so if this is a guiding principle of Jesus, if Jesus says, okay, here's, here's the guiding principles I want you to live by, then I want to live my life in such a way that I recognize that, that apart from God's provision, I'm a total beggar. And so don't live pretentious or haughty, but live a life of humility, of dependence, of recognizing I'm dependent upon God today. And in doing that, I experience the kingdom coming and I share 
And I'm, I become a foretaste of the kingdom for other people as I live that life. I said I was done. I'm really done now. So I wonder what your thoughts are. What's that stir up for you? I actually heard a message this morning on KHCB similar to exactly what you're talking about. And it was the first time I sat there and thought, well, why would God want us to be poor? I Because I, I wasn't thinking in the terms of, I mean, I understand the poor in spirit part and the contempt part about, you know, I, I know I've done it in the past, thought about why isn't so-and-so working or, or, or even felt jealous literally jealous because i've had to work since i was 14 right and wondering well what why you know i've got all these problems physically and you know financially why can't i have somebody help me like they're you know it's like why god why'd you bless them so much and not me you know but then um i mean i don't do that anymore i know that i couldn't survive without god there's nothing i could do within my power without him so when i hear somebody putting down somebody else, it, it makes my skin crawl. It, and, it, and I really have to fight my words mm -hmm. because it, it is so presumptuous and, and, and so, well, it's just ugly. Mm -hmm. And I know that's not what God wants, mm -hmm. no matter what position we're in, um, spiritually or physically, that we all share a common thing. And that is that we need God. Like, how can anybody believe that they don't need him? Right. But anyway. Yeah. Good, Brenda. Well, I find um, fascinating in this is your early statement there, Ken, about um, uh, him limiting himself. Well, this is the way I've picked it up um, in that in the temptation in, in one of the three temptations, the, the, the temptation that he was faced with, turn these stones into bread. Mm -hmm. So here's the recognition from the enemy that Jesus had the capacity and the ability to turn the immaterial into sustenance. Uh, and yet, in his, he, as, he, as he walked on earth, uh, what, what's coming for me here is that he limited himself so that uh, others could provide for him and partner mm -hmm. with him. Mm -hmm. uh, so in the feeding of the 5,000, he was able to provide food miraculously. Um, so it's not beyond his ability, but it's it's this fascination that Despite who he is, he invites us in to actually partner with him, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and giving mm -hmm. us that response, giving us that responsibility. So sometimes I think we want to say, "Okay, God, will you do it?" Mm -hmm. He says, "Well, actually, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not. We're mm -hmm. going to do this together." Mm -hmm. You know, in in that, you know, in a partnership. But this whole idea that he actually chooses to limit himself. It wasn't like, um, you know, you hear various medical stories. It wasn't just like they the had a, um, uh, like say a, a, a pot, like a, 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 bas a bag uh, of, of so many drachmas or whatever money they used. And it always had 20 or 50 drachmas in it, no matter mm -hmm. how much they used, you know, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but he actually, 
uh, invites us in to partner with them. And I, I just find that really quite, um, quite fascinating. Yeah, I love it, John. Absolutely. Yeah. And so uh, just to repeat what you just said, but to put it in my language, what I hear you saying is Jesus chose to limit himself so that a group of people could partner with him in his ministry, and their partnership was the finances. And, and so I, I wrote this down in my notes, and I didn't say it, but I'm going to say it now. So what if, for some, dependency on others is God's plan and design? I, I don't know that it is, but I just want to wonder that. I mean, because it seems like it is. I think it so, is. So in, in, one, in, in one way, I am dependent upon others for my income because I work for faith walking. And if it weren't for the contributions of people giving to faith walking, plus our fees all combined, I, I'm, so I'm dependent in, in, uh, in a lot of ways on others. Uh, yeah, it's just fascinating. But I, I love how you tie that partnering with God. So so generosity is a form of mission. I think that it is God's will for some people to be, because all of us are dependent for different things and at different seasons. We're all dependent as children. And then at the end of our lives, frequently we're dependent again. And we depend on, even if we're self-sufficient in some ways, we're dependent on other things. And like, if we're called to serve and to love others and to help others, that means inherently there have to be people to help right. so this is cool like so this morning before this call like maybe an hour before this call <laughs> um so i'm in the process of preparing for i lead a single mom's ministry and we have an annual camping trip for moms and kids and that's this weekend so i have my i feel like this is the summer of my camera being off because i'm always doing something <laughs> but i'm doing a bunch of cooking and like and stuff and packing for that but so this morning um i had something cool happened just where like the Lord put together some things that I was like stressed out about for this trip. And I was feeling very humbled and God gave me, and I was feeling humbled about like what John just said. I was just reflecting on the idea that like, there's a God that could do everything himself. And I think about this often, he could do everything himself. And his plan was to invite us to participate instead. Like he doesn't need mm -hmm. any of us to do anything. And I think that's so amazing that we get to be his hands and feet because he could have done everything and done it better. And God gave me a picture this morning of like most, I probably, most of us have kids or have worked with kids. And I was thinking like, like I'm broken and I'm a sinner and I mess things up. And I'm sure like, if God just did everything without me, it would go better. It would, you know, it would be more convenient. It would be faster and it would pan out better. And I was thinking about like when my kids were little and they want to help you all the time, they want to do whatever they see mom and dad doing, and they want to cook with you or they want to clean with you or whatever. And like, God gave me this vision of like, if, you know, let's say I was gonna, I was responsible for like making, you know, a whole wedding feast or something for my best friend for hundreds of people. And then I'm going to have like a two, my two-year-old that wants to help me in the kitchen and let them mm -hmm. do it, knowing that they're going to make a mess and it's going to mess the food up and stuff. And then like, why would I do that? I wouldn't frankly, probably because I'm not as gracious as God. I would be like, no, get out of here. But like, the only reason that we would ever do that is because of love. Like we know it's not benefiting us at all. It's probably making things more difficult um, and more stressful, but you know, you might let them participate because you love them and you want to build a relationship and you want to spend time with them. Um, and so that was a picture that God gave me, or even like, even as we mm -hmm. get older in the faith and more mm -hmm. mature, like 
know, if I let my five-year-old paint my house because I want it to look good because I'm about to sell it and stuff, like they're going to get paint everywhere. But like, I would never do that. But like, that's, I don't know, that was what God showed me about. Like mm-hmm. he lets us help him. And I think that's so cool. I think it is too. I think it is too. And whether whether we're the one receiving or whether we're the one giving, we're both dependent. So I'm dependent upon God to provide the means for me to be the giver, or I'm dependent upon God for me to be the receiver. And I think that's the idea here, is that we live in the humility that we can't do it without God's provision. That's so true. The uh, dependent, depending on God for provision to provide for someone else. Right. And I love seeing the results of how that happens. Um, it never fails. Every time we've made a commitment towards something, God has always brought the provision. Right. And uh, I mean, it's, it, 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 it restores more faith. Yeah. In the process. Yeah. It, it's, it's also interesting. Uh, go ahead, Trish. Well, I was just going to say, I really liked, I wrote this down, the phrase of being that we are in utter dependence upon God. And when I think of that, I often, I often think in pictures as I'm processing um, information, but in that picture that came to me was that we're to stay turned towards the face of God resting in his arms. And I think about that continually staying turned towards his face um, instead of turning around and going off and doing things the way I think they should be done. Mm-hmm. Also, I mean, just reminded me that it's that my turning towards him needs to be a continual gaze looking at him just like a small child would, because that's, that's yeah. what we are, but just that continual gaze to him. Um, yeah for direction go ahead well i was just going to say what what gets stirred up as you're talking about that continual gaze for me is and that makes me be grateful constantly oh yeah that as as i i look to god i recognize i can't do any of this without your provision Mm -hmm. and i guess i think it's age uh i'm gonna blame it on that Okay, but the the older I get, the more I realize, okay, things start breaking down, things don't work the way they once worked, and and I realize more and more, man, I can't do one thing without God's provision. And just to live, so then I live in humility and gratitude, because I recognize I'm totally dependent upon God for, for provision of everything in my life. And, and in that, it enables us to um, recognize that he's providing for us, but it also enables us to see how delighted he is to do these things for us. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not correcting you, and I realize I'm taking a risk, but I want to say he or she. Or maybe I should say he and she. Yes, totally with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> understood <laughs> and i think the thing is is when we actually are intentional about engaging um and it's almost like to use the phrase when we 
willingly participate, uh, that leads to transformation. And of course, the whole point, I think, of our, well, not point, but the whole, the core thing really is of the of being transformed into the image of Christ. It's not that we necessarily transform ourselves, but in the participation, right. in the willingness right. to maybe to to go to the edge of mm -hmm. our comfort zone, mm -hmm. um, that that is almost like um, a, a trigger for transformation. Although we may be, we may not necessarily be aware of it. And it's Absolutely. the risk. It's the risk taking. I think what it is. Yeah. John, I'm telling you, buddy, you're talking like a faith walker. You better look out. Well, I, well, the thing is, I bet, I bet, I'm, I'm glad I've learned something having having got to module four. <laughs> you have, brother. It's coming out. I hear it. But but it's interesting. Not trying to not trying to um, go off on a tangent. But I mean, I mean, I'm on a in a situation at the moment with with this prisoner chap. Um, and uh, somebody just texted me today that, uh, oh, I was so I was concerned that so and so was there, and how how would they feel if I or we were corresponding with this particular uh, prisoner after all mm -hmm. what he's done? And I'm immediately my, my default now on that is the differentiation of self. Mm -hmm. I'm only I am responsible for for my actions, etc. Mm -hmm. I am not responsible for the feelings and the emotions of another person. And uh, it's interesting that with all this sort of stuff, I mean, you know, listen to Graham Cook and a few other different people, but the faith walking is how I'm now able to to take a, let's say, if you're trying to navigate in the in a in a difficult situation, is that faith walking is giving me certain firm points where I can start where I can stand firm on, mm -hmm. and say, okay, I'm still going to connect with you, but actually, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. uh, in that so this is an aside there so it's and then trying to sort of communicate that to people in a reasonably clear way and uh, oh by the way you need to try and do this faith walking thing you can start by doing it on a friday <laughs> it's, it's real it's been really helpful and i'm saying that as somebody who's uh, I'm quite interested in the apologetics thing. Uh, done done a lot of stuff, but this coming to this at the stage I am in life has been. It really has been. Uh, it really has been been changed changed a lot of perceptions and things like that, and, and it's given me. It's a really big tool in the toolbox. Yeah, yeah, and I and I hear that, John, and I'm thankful for that, and I'm. And I'm standing and dancing uh, because of that uh, inside. So thank you for sharing that. That's encouraging to me. Ken, I was wondering if you could say something, some more about Bright New World and choice of those, those words. I was just curious about that. If, 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 if no one else has anything. Yeah. Thank you, Angela. Um, so in my understanding and my belief, when the kingdom comes, there will be a bright new world and, and that we're to pray for the kingdom to come. And, and the idea is that the kingdom comes on earth just as it is in heaven. And so 
it's new, it's, it's bright, and for me, bright uh, conveys the ideas uh, that it's, it's alive, it's, it's blossoming, it's flourishing, it is bright. Uh, that's what I mean by bright new world. Uh, I borrowed the phrase, it's not original with me. So the original author may understand it in different ways, but it's just a way of trying to flesh out when the kingdom comes, what's the kingdom like? Does that help, Angela? Uh, or would you like me to talk more? No, that's helpful. I was, yeah, just, yeah, that, that's exactly what I was looking for. Thank you. Yeah. It's it's also interesting. I didn't mention this. I'm going to come back around to it just one one more time, and and then we're going to have last call, and then I'm going to wrap this up by, by just reading it again. But but this this idea of dependence uh, in the Lord's prayer, a key piece of the Lord's prayer is simply give us this day our daily bread. Lord, we need your provision to provide daily bread for all of us. And our prayer is that you provide me with daily bread, but notice it says us. So when I pray, I'm praying everybody gets daily bread. From whatever way, whatever resource, we want everybody to be fed. And when the kingdom comes, everybody's fed. In the bright new world of the kingdom, everybody has enough. That's what I believe. And yet Jesus said that the kingdom is here. Look around. Yeah. So he invites us to participate in that. Exactly. And yeah. he invites us to, to be the kingdom, to represent the kingdom, and to bring the kingdom. And, and it's that, it's that uh, both and of the kingdom has come, and the kingdom is near, and the yeah. kingdom is coming. Right? And, and so we live in the tension of all of the above. Yeah. We really need it. Things are messed up. They are. Things are messed up bad. Yeah. I mean, we really do. And so what would it look like? And, and this is the challenge and this is the vision. And this is, this is why I do what I do, folks, is what would it look like if all of us were working for the kingdom to come? The bright new world of God's kingdom where everybody has enough and nobody needs to be afraid. Uh, what would that world look like? Uh, a world of, uh, of love and care. Uh, yeah, I'm going to get to preaching now, so y'all better just shut me off right there. Let me close with this. I'm just going to read it again. This is what I put together the last time, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it. Happy, satisfied, and fully alive are the humble, the unpretentious, those who don't think they're superior to others, who don't have contempt for anyone, who aren't condescending and aren't full of themselves. Those who are utterly dependent upon God. For they experience the God-designed heavenly life right now. They live right now in the bright new world. So in spite of our world being messed up, let's us live in the bright new world 
of the kingdom in spite of how depressing maybe the world feels to us. Amen. Yeah. Group, I, I uh, love to see you. Love having you. Becca, good to have you with us. Thanks for coming. We hope you'll come back. This is kind of what this group is. We're just, we become family and uh, we hang out every Friday at 1030 and uh, enjoy each other's company and uh, do a little Bible study most of the time. Sometimes we don't. I'm glad all of you were here. Anybody need to say anything before we go? All right. May the grace and peace of the Lord be with you and may you go and live into the wholeness of the bright new world. For more information about Faith Walking, visit www.faithwalking.us. We want to remind you that Faith Walking exists because of your financial support. Please consider giving at faithwalking.us backslash donate. Thank you for listening.